On this episode of The Popcorn Diet, we welcome the cold embrace of awards season as the festivals wrap up and it's time to embrace the politics. That's right, it's our early Oscar predictions episode. Get your popcorn ready. All you good movie buddies to the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie theater popcorn and other movie snacks. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy, and joining us as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn. David, how you doing today? I'm doing great. Doing good? Good, yep. man. It's Start, start, weather's starting to get cooler. It's starting to chill out a little bit. The blockbusters are starting to fade away, and that means it's time for us to... Basically, the, the cinematic equivalent of eating our vegetables, which is prestige season, baby. No more fun. No more fun. <laughs> That's not true. We still, get, we still get Star Wars. We still got Jumanji coming. We got some fun coming. Okay. But you can't, you can't escape it. It's award season. We're in the thick of it now. And, and while we've managed to push this back about as far as we can, it's time. It's time to start looking at what's been coming out. It's time to start looking at the, the festivals. And it's time to put in our first predictions. Now, our tradition, David, is to do this at least a few times leading up to the Oscars. And this time we're, we're leading up to, I believe it's the 92nd Oscars. And there is a lot to talk about. And, the, and right now we're in, we're in the midst of things where it's festival season, right? So all of these movies are coming out. And for the most part, all of them are being lauded as this movie's amazing, that movie's amazing. But the thing about award season is that things will gain momentum. Things will lose momentum. And the movies that you thought might be front runners, even right now, may not wind up being the front runners when Oscar when the Oscars come to pass next year. So what I wanted to do at first was I wanted to kind of go over some of the film festivals that have been out, some of the premieres that have come out, and then kind of talk about, you know, what we've been surprised by or what I've been surprised by. I don't know how much you've been keeping up on the Oscar chatter. I know probably less so than me. Um, and then kind of I know you and I talked about this before the podcast, but I kind of wanted to set the expectation for people who maybe have never listened before and who don't really know just how much BS goes into the award season. You and I say this all the time. It's one of our favorite times of the year and also one of our least favorite times of the year. And so let's do that. Let's go through here. Let's go and let's start with some of the festivals that have been coming out in the last few months. Uh, basically, I have three listed here, and it's Venice, Toronto, and New York. Um, Venice, Venice isn't always the best predictor of Oscars. In the last couple of years, it's been, but Venice oftentimes is more foreign films, more kind of art films and whatnot. And so with Venice, the big news out of Venice was that Joker, Todd Phillips's taxi driver reimagining of the DC Comics supervillain won the Golden Lion. Now, again, that's not always in line with the Oscars. I could I could list off quite a few of the Golden Lion winners, David, and I know you probably never heard of them. Sure. But we've had some, though. We've had some. You've heard of Roma. Yes. You watched Roma. I did. You Shape of Water. Yes. But... Between those two, those are the last two years. You got to go all the way back to the wrestler, and Brokeback Mountain, which is early to mid two thousands, until you get to a Golden Lion winner that is, quote unquote, recognizable, mm -hmm. right? Or at least uh, in line with what the Oscars were going with. So again, Golden Lion not always an Oscar predictor, but Joker winning Golden Lion was pretty, pretty out there. Took a lot of people by storm. And then we have Toronto, and Toronto is one of the biggest ones out there. A lot of world premieres happen at these film festivals, and the big one that people focus on there is the People's Choice Awards. To give you an example of some of the previous People's Choice Awards winners, mm -hmm. Green Book won, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Heard of it. Heard of it, yep. La La Land. Yep. Room. 
not the room, not Tommy Wiseau's the room, but room, Brie Larson room. Uh, the Imitation Game, which was the Alan Turing movie with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, mm-hmm. 12 Years a Slave, Silver Lining Playbook, lots more. People's Choice usually winds up reflecting at least a nominee sure. of a Best Picture. And they usually do kind of winner and, and two runners-up. This year's second runner-up was a movie called Parasite, uh, which is a, a South Korean movie made by one of my favorite South Korean filmmakers, maybe my only favorite South Korean filmmaker. Do you filmmaker. have a lot of South Korean <laughs> filmmakers that you're a not, fan of? Not a ton, <laughs> admittedly. Um, but it's, uh, uh, gosh, I always forget how to pronounce his name. It's even, even though it's fairly easy, it's Bong Joo-ho. Okay. Who directed The Host. Do you yep. remember The Host? I remember The Host. Um, and this movie's called Parasite. And it's about basically a lower class family that kind of slowly moves in and seeps in as like the helpers of this upper class family. Obviously, a lot of social commentary. If you know Bong Joo-ho, you know that he, he toes the line between genres. You know, he could do something that's very scary or very tense but also goofy and funny as well. And Parasite has been giving, getting rave reviews, and that got second runner-up of People's Choice Award. First runner-up went to Marriage Story, which is Noah Baumbach's movie. It's Adam Driver, Scarlett Johansson. Essentially, it's a comedy-slash-drama about the emotion and everything that goes into a marriage falling apart, which, got to be honest... Doesn't sound like the most peak viewing for me, but apparently, no. No, David, I think you and I have become very clear how we feel about uh, uh, misery porn on this this podcast. And that sounds an awful lot like misery porn. However, the performances have been getting rave reviews. We'll talk about it a little bit later, but essentially the lead performers are shoo-ins for nominations. And it got first runner-up. But... The winner of the People's Choice Award this year, and again, remember the previous winners, big winners, La La Land, Green Book. The winner for this year's People's Choice was Jojo Rabbit, which is Taika Waititi's satirical World War II set movie where he plays Adolf Hitler as a boy's imaginary friend. And it's very, obviously, it's anti-hate, it's anti-Nazi, it's designed to be very satirical about it, and that won the People's Choice Award. And that kind of vaulted that movie up to the top of people's list as well. Um, And then New York, and the biggest thing coming out of New York, what's interesting about the New York Film Festival, and I kind of like giving people a little bit of the taste of the film festival, because they might not know know, how these things work, but what's, what's interesting about New York is that they don't give out awards. And so they don't really have any type of criteria. A lot of these festivals, they have criteria. You got to be independent. You got to have some blah, 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 whatever. But New York oftentimes is anything. It's anything goes. The biggest thing coming out of the New York Film Festival is The Irishman. Mm -hmm. The Irishman is basically screening like at least a dozen times, if not more, at New York Film Festival. All of the screenings are sold out. And apparently it's a masterpiece. Probably the same amount of screenings that will be actually in theaters. <laughs> yeah, actually, you might actually be right. <laughs> 20 total screenings or yes. something like that. But obviously, it's Scorsese's mob epic. Uh, De Niro, Pacino, Keitel, Pesci, Ray freaking Romano. It's, it's, and it, it's been one of our most anticipated movies of the year. But hearing the, the, the noise out of New York Film Festival, it's re- I'm, I'm even more excited about it. And so with that being said, I think some of the surprises that have come out with the last couple of months are a lot of those films. I think Joker, obviously the, the response to Joker has been interesting. Um, critically, it's pretty much beloved, but and we don't have to get too far into this now, especially since we're planning on talking about Joker next week, but there's a deep, deep conversation to have about people's uh, interpretation of this film and the quote-unquote violence that it might incite. You know, there are, there are really interesting conversations to be had about that, but Joker's obviously come on as a surprise. Jojo Rabbit winning has come off as a surprise. I'm going to throw one more in there for you. Okay. I'm going to throw Hustlers in there. Oh, okay. Hustlers has gotten really, really good reviews. And, I I mean, 
I can't say I'm totally surprised by it. I kind of equate it to Magic Mike getting really, really good reviews. Yeah. Because I think those movies start out at a disadvantage. I think both of them start off as, oh, they're stripper movies. Yeah, there's a lot of assumptions made about right. it. They're trashy. You can't help but think of Showgirls anytime you get a stripper Ooh. movie, right? And that movie's trashy. Not good. Not good. Trashy as hell. But apparently Hustlers is, is extremely good, extremely entertaining, well-written, well-acted. J-Lo's getting a ton of rave reviews on it, so I put that as a surprise. Okay. Now, you and I had one key major disappointment, and that was, in this season, was the Goldfinch. Hmm. That was... Was it disappointing to you? No. Or... <laughs> I, I was not super excited for the Goldfinch. I mean, getting into the conversation about Oscar bait, David, you and I are not fans of Oscar bait. No. it's There's something about the pandering dramas that the Academy just falls for every year. And Goldfinch seemed like peak Oscar bait, and it came out with a gigantic thud. So the Goldfinch, that was, I think I texted you as soon as the reviews came out, and I said, it's the first Oscar movie to fall so question on there, throwing this at you. Okay, I love it. Just to play devil's advocate. You always talk about on social media, on here, about how you hate when people get on social media and say, why did this movie need to be made? Right. And you consistently say that's a terrible reason to give something a negative review. It's a, that bad, kind of stuff. It's a bad criticism, yes. In but doesn't opinion. that kind of go against making something just to win an Oscar? You know, if there's a good story to tell that sure. obviously they know is going to do well in the awards. Sure. What uh, what turns you against those movies so much? You know, I don't. That's a really good question, and I think I mean even with a movie like Marriage Story, which yeah. to me seems extremely Oscar bait, I do think that there is value in examining an emotional experience that the majority of marriages go through in this country. More sure. more marriages end up in divorce than end up in success, right? So I do think that there is something of artistic value um, to making that movie. And likewise with The Goldfinch. The Goldfinch explored themes about family and about discovering who you are and traumatic events. And it was a very, very popular book. Mm -hmm. And I think there's value there. You know, Obviously, you want to jump on popularity, but I do think there's value in what they're trying to discuss. But my biggest issue with Oscar bait is in the diversity of Oscars. You know this. It's sure. been well documented in that I wish that we could get quality action and entertainment and sci-fi and comedy on top of the drama that, oh, this movie is so good at, at, at delving into the emotion of what it's like to have a traumatic event. Like, yeah, that's cool. But like over here, Avengers Endgame has a lot of that. And is one of the, one of the biggest movies ever made. Um, so if we could sum up your thoughts, you don't hate the player, you hate the game. I hate the game, man. You I hate, hate the, the game. game. I I don't like. I don't mind the players. You don't have any issues with people making these movies. No. You just hate the fact that when it comes to Oscar time, ninety nine percent of what's represented are these Oscar bait movies. Exactly. It feels like. Yeah, man. Exactly right. right. And and I and. If anybody's ever listened to one of our previous Oscar episodes, and obviously this season, I'm going to still be tooting my own horn. And the Academy has naturally, up, naturally, <laughs> naturally, but the Academy has ups and downs. You know, last year it went out of the way and it nominated Black Panther, it nominated Black Klansman, movies that, you know, I think fit their desire to become more diverse, but also we're movies that wouldn't normally get nominated. And I'm excited about that. If that's what that means, if it means diversity not only in um, race and gender and sexual orientation, cool. If that also means diversity in genre as well. And that's why, like, you look at the other two disappointments I had list listed. Where'd you go, Bernadette? Mm -hmm. um, which was Richard Linklater, who made Boyhood, Critical Darling, Academy Darling, that movie... The cast, Kate Blanchett, that movie just showed up and did nothing. And then Rocket Man, a movie that was really crit critically well liked, audiences liked it, but because everybody, you know, lost their minds over Bohemian Rhapsody, which is a vastly inferior film with, in my opinion, an inferior performance, 
Bohemian Rhapsody. Shots fired. Shots fired, I know. But Rocket Man does it better. The problem is Bohemian Rhapsody did it first. Sure. You know, and it's that's been true of, of for, for, for any film. You know, you look at Deep Impact and Armageddon. You look at <laughs> I can't believe I just compared Rocket Man and Bohemian Rhapsody to Deep Impact and Armageddon, but movies do it better and they do it first. It depends. And Rocket Man has the not so illustrious, I don't know, privilege of going second. And I don't think it's going to get a lot of recognition that it probably deserves. But anyway, that is, uh, that is kind of where we are at, the state of the Oscars right now. Mm-hmm. And we have our predictions. We have kind of based on what people are talking about, based on the reviews, based on a number of other prediction websites. I love going to IndieWire and reading their predictions. Gold Derby is also another really great one to find predictions. But I think the big thing that I wanted to mention before we get into the predictions, David, and I know I've been doing a ton of talking, which is not unlike me, I suppose. I'm used to it. Um, <laughs> but like some, some of these races in these certain categories haven't really straightened themselves out yet. For example, I mentioned J-Lo, right? Jennifer Lopez getting huge raves for Hustlers. But nobody knows if she's going to be nominated for lead actress or supporting actress. In the film, she serves as a supporting character, despite the fact that she's sort of the larger memorable character. Constance Wu is the main character of that film. But depending on how the races go, the studio could submit J-Lo for lead actress or they could submit her for supporting actress, depending on where they think she has a better shot of getting a nomination or getting a win. It's a lot like Viola Davis for Fences a couple years ago. Viola Davis and David, you would agree with me here, she's the lead actress of that movie. It's Denzel and Viola Davis going toe-to-toe. But that year was absolutely stacked for Best Actress. And so the studio decided to submit her for Best Supporting Actress. And not only did she get nominated, but she won. So we're going to see a lot of these races kind of clear get get a little bit more clear as we get closer to the oscars and as we get closer to the politicking of it all but that's well that's oscar politics suck that's why here and to put it in perspective i i pulled up before this just september 8th of 2018 okay there was a forbes article about oscar predictions at that point um and it said it went through kind of like here are kind of the predictions. Um, and actually, I guess this was uh, when was this put out? It was September 6, 2018. OK, so right. Almost so, almost a year from where we are. A yeah, little yeah, bit yeah. earlier in the game. So um, basically, it said stars born. Yep. Shoe in. Yep. For best picture. Like everything. Nomination, I guess, had Black Klansman, um, as well as it had um, Beautiful Boy with Chalamet <laughs> and yep. Steve Carell. Yep, were on its on its short list, as well as First Man. So those were kind of the ones that it said are sure bets to get nominations. Sure, obviously, no. Two of those. Did First Man get a Best Picture? I'm trying to remember. Uh, ooh, I don't think it did. Did it? I'm not sure. I can't believe I don't have the Wikipedia up. Two, two, two or three for four on that one was correct. Um, also, it said in the running, it had ones like... Um, it did not, by the way. It did not. So only two of those four quote-unquote sure bets that were in this article in September from Forbes actually came through. And if you go into ones that it said are kind of the next tier, were um, you had... Uh, oh, what was the... It has backseat in here, but obviously the name changed to Vice. Uh, Vice. Yeah. And then it had Hugh Jackman's front runner. That one bombed. Mm-hmm. Um, it had Black Panther ended up making it. It had On the Basis of Sex. Uh-huh. That one didn't make it. Uh, if Beale Street Could Talk, The Favorite, Mary Queen of Scots, Roma. And those were kind of its predictions as right. like that next tier. Best Actor, it had... Steve Carell um, for Beautiful Boy. It had Bradley Cooper. If he was nominated for Best Actor, they said it could go supporting. But they said if if he's nominated, 
whichever one he's nominated, he was going to be nominated. Sure. It also had Hugh Jackman for the front runner, Lucas Hedges and Ru- Russell Crowe for Boy Erased, John David Washington for Black Klansman, Rami for uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. So again, what I'm getting at, and I could keep going through the examples. There's plenty of them. People don't really we do, we really don't know at this point. No, I mean even with the festivals that give us some kind of indication, there's a lot of campaigning that happens between today, which is what September 30th, right, and February when this actually gets announced or exactly. March and, whenever and, it gets announced. And honestly, and again, that's that's the larger conversation that I like having, but like it's. It's unfortunately, it's not about the quality of the movie, you know, it's 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 about these it's about momentum. It's about who's politicking, who's throwing the party. It's about getting people to, you know, it's it's like any other election. You know, we're really not voting for the genuine best movie, I don't think. I think we're voting for the movie that gets the largest momentum. And is it pretty good? Usually, usually it's pretty good. But as we do our hindsight awards, which is one we're going to do this year, I'm very excited to do them. We'll see that oftentimes with the benefit of hindsight, boy, does the Academy really just miss the mark. Sure. So with all of that being said, we're going to do uh, we're going to do a couple of our nominations. We'll start with the support. We do six, the six main categories, the six over the line categories we do our predictions for. And that's supporting actor and actress lead actor and actress, director and picture. And so we'll start with supporting. We'll do our little break and then we'll wrap up with the last four. So thus far with our supporting actress nominations, I don't know that anybody has a front a, a real tight grip on this race right now. This is one of those races that I think you'll see materialize. Um, but David, we'll go. We'll do like we always do. We'll go back and forth. I'll start with this one. You'll wrap it up, and then you'll start with the next one. All right. So for me, I not only made a list of who I think is going to get nominated, but I made a list of who's just missed. Naturally. Naturally. And as we update our predictions, we'll we'll move in and out. You know who who made it to the top five and who did we move out? So right now, for my just missed. I have Annette Benning in The Report, which is an Amazon film about, uh, about gosh, I think it's the Iraq Report, one of the it's a politically charged movie, Adam okay. Driver. Again, that guy's in everything. Yep. Shout out to Adam Driver, by the way, for doing all these Oscar movies and then cashing in that Star Wars money. Guy's just doing it right, okay? And I respect it. Um, and we'll talk about him in a little bit. I also have Just Missing Out which is probably stupid and will probably change. Meryl Streep for Little Women because they'll nominate Meryl Streep for anything nowadays. I have Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit, Missing Out, just just Missing Out. And then I have uh, Shuzhen Zhao in The Farewell. Uh, and The Farewell, for those of you who don't know, small independent movie that came out earlier this year with Aquafina, rave reviews. I'm willing to bet The Farewell gets a lot of love come Oscar uh, nomination time. But for my... Five right now, I have Laura Dern for Marriage Story. Okay. I have Florence Pugh. Pugh? Pugh. 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 P-U-G-H. Yeah, that's Pugh. I, I, and I, I'm going to say Pugh. Pugh seems like the safe bet. I don't think because, it's Pugh. Because Pugh and Pugh not working for me. Yeah, I think, it's, so, I think it's Pugh. So Florence Pugh for Little Women, I've actually heard she's like the, the standout of that cast. Okay. I have Margot Robbie for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I have Penelope Cruz for Pain and Glory, which is a Spanish film by Pedro Almodovar. And Jennifer Lopez I have for Hustlers. I'm get, I want J-Lo to get some critical love. I think J-Lo is a really good actress. She's been doing this for a long time. She was great and out of sight. And I'm kind of leaving the out of sight. like I'm letting that out of sight momentum carry me through all the way through Hustlers. Because she's... So- so good and out of sight. Long period of momentum. I, I understand that, but I can't. Not every movie's a made in Manhattan. You know what I mean? Like can't can't do all of those. But that's my five for best supporting actress, David. Who do you got for your five best supporting actress nominees? All right. Well, I did not do just miss because I knew you would. And, yeah. Lord and, knows. And, and in your defense, this is our first one doing it, so 
first first one of the year, so I think it's good to kind of talk through um, some of the other contenders. I'm kind of cheating too. Like it does kind of give me an out for like, oh look, I had him kind of on the list. It's okay. I won't give you the out. Thanks. <laughs> on my list, uh, quite a few repeaters. I have, um, except some a, a lot of mine were off your and you're just missed i have benning for annette benning for the report all right i have j-lo i have her carrying that momentum from geely all the way the, through ooh, to geely momentum <laughs> you how dare you um i also have also uh like zao from the farewell so okay. i have her being in there uh, i have dern for marriage story and i have penelope cruz for pain and glory okay Pain and Glory, I think, is probably going to be one of the ones that gets a lot of love that a lot of people don't know well, about. And I didn't go with Pew or Streep, and I didn't go with ScarJo from Jojo Rabbit because I believe there's another pretty good supporting actress performance in that movie, if I remember in right. In Jojo? Yeah. I thought there was another one. In that. Um, it might be I the might girl. be thinking of another. It might be the girl whose name escapes me, unfortunately, um, but the main girl in that movie is supposedly really, really good. Um, her name is, as I pull it up, Thomasin McKenzie. McKenzie. Yeah. yeah. So. And she was I'm, just I'm, in Leave No Trace with your sure. boy. Lear, learning, starting out the gate until we learn more, I'm, I'm knocking out the people that are going to compete. Obviously, last year we saw the favorite can defy those odds and we can get multiple people sure. in a category. We've had it a couple times recently, but I'm going to go with the split the vote and say that they knock each other out from okay. that standpoint. Little women I know, as well. Yeah, little women as well. So that's why I went with all people in movies where there's just really one that's getting the, the publicity from their sure. role. So. Makes sense. All right, supporting actor. Yes, sir. So there's lots of names, and I'll let you run through. There are so many names. Some of your additional names, because we know you can't just give five. But I have Brad Pitt. He would be my favorite as of this point uh -huh. to win for supporting actor. Oh, that'd be great. I have Hanks, even though I have real issues with him being nominated for supporting. For for a beautiful day in the neighborhood. For where a beautiful he's playing, day in uh, the neighborhood. He's playing Mr. Rogers. But again, much like um, Jennifer Lopez and Hustlers, I don't think Tom Hanks is the focal point of that movie. That movie's about the journalist. Sure. And anyway, that's it makes sense, but I, I get you. Sure, mind. and let's make... Rami Malek for Freddie Mercury <laughs> as a supporting it's actress. It's about Freddie Mercury. Anyways. Whatever. I will not get into these debates <laughs> with you so early. Uh, William Defoe for The Lighthouse and that crazy movie. I'm so crazy pumped for looking The Lighthouse. Now, see, I'm pumped for The Lighthouse because that movie the looks... The Oscar bait you like. But it's not Oscar bait. It's so weird and unique. It's got him and Robert Pattinson as two old guys... Like losing their minds in a lighthouse in like 1890, and it looks so interesting, but in like a pretentious kind of way. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Anthony Hopkins for the two popes. Yep. Screams of one of those movies that's gonna get some acting nominations, but not really anything else. Yep. And then I have Christian Bale for Ford v Ferrari. Okay. Which okay. I've seen him kind of characterized in both from the previews to me. It seems like he would be supporting. It sure. seems like it, it could be one of those where we, there's not really a direct lead in right. this movie um, where you could go Damon or Bale. But from the way they've presented it in the previews, to me, it looks more like Damon's the lead and Bale's the supporting. But. Right. And that might be a case of the studio choosing which is the stronger performance and then putting that performance in the yeah. one that has the path of least resistance because sure. supporting actor is stacked. It is stacked. This there's, year. there's other ones like there's people like Sterling K Brown and waves, uh, Taika Waititi, who's on my list in Jojo rabbit. You got Hopkins here. Just again, Pitt, Hanks, Pacino, Hopkins, Defoe, Pesci, Jamie Foxx, Christian Bale. That's, that's too many people. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of people. Do right? You think Taika's like, well, I'm screwed. Uh, against those you know, names? Maybe. I don't know. Because supporting actor does sometimes tend to... Be the more obscure? Not only be the more obscure, but it, it tends to favor the comedic performance more. You look at Melissa McCarthy. You look sure. at Robert uh, Downey Jr. for Tropic Thunder. 
bigger comedic performances often get that supporting actor love. Every once in a while it happens for lead actor, like Johnny Depp for his first go-around as Captain Jack Sparrow, but I feel like Taika has a shot here. Um, I put I kind of cheated and just put Christian Bale slash Matt Damon as just missing out for Ford v. Ferrari. I put just missing out Joe Pesci from mm-hmm. The Irishman, mm-hmm. Jamie Foxx in Just Mercy, um, and which is a, a based on a true story. It's got it's got a lot of people I love in it. Uh, it's got my boy Michael B. Jordan in it, and it's a legal drama. And you know I love legal dramas, um, but. I haven't just on the outside looking in. And then, like you said, Anthony Hopkins. Um, you, what? What you got? Do you think they'll nominate Mahershala for Alita Battle Angel just to keep his wow. streak going? In life? Wow. <laughs> I, man, that's just – it feels below the belt. Like, that just feels below the belt. You're talking about two-time Oscar I know. Winners. That's why I'm Mahershala. saying. No, I feel like he belongs in the category. No, he's saving it for Blade. Okay, all right. That's what he's I saving like it. it for. He's going like three it. for three with Blade. You just all watch right. out. All right. All right, so my list for supporting actor, I have Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. I feel like he's the front Once runner. Upon a Time in Mexico? So I always do that. <laughs> There's so many Once Upon a Time If you movies. would just do the dot, 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 if you would just remember the ellipsis, once it upon would a time. keep your... <laughs> There's Once Upon a Time in America, Once Upon a Time in the West, Once Upon a Time in... I just like that you always default to Mexico. I know. Isn't that weird? (laughs) Of all the the ones? I just want to see Johnny Depp with the blood coming down the glasses. That's a cool look. It is. That's a cool look. I will fight anybody who doesn't think that him bleeding out of the eyes with the sunglasses and the guns isn't just a (laughs) rad look. Anyway, I do have Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as the frontrunner. Pacino in The Irishman is getting, like, whatever is above rave reviews, that is what Pacino is getting in The Irishman. And again, I, I kept both Irishman potential nominees out for Fair the uh, splitting the vote. It's going to be absolutely it's, stacked. It wouldn't surprise me. I did put Tom Hanks for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. I put Willem Dafoe for The Lighthouse. And then, like I mentioned, I put Taika Watiti there for Jojo Rabbit, mostly because I'm a Taika fan. I'm really excited to see this movie. And without him... This is a very white category. so because you didn't put Mahershala in. I didn't put Mahershala in. I didn't put Jamie Foxx in. But we'll see. And again, like, despite the fact that I think you should nominate the best people, like, I do appreciate the diversity of it. I do sure. appreciate, you know, putting people of color in there and, and diversifying the performances as well. So, I mean, with all of that being said, I heard Wesley Snipes is amazing and Dolomite is my name. Or Eddie Murphy is amazing in that movie. So I throw both of them on my list. Okay. You know, like for that, um, we got more. We got more categories. We got the main actress categories that we want to do our prediction on, predictions on. But before we do, we got to take a quick little break. What's up, good movie buddies? Before we continue, I want to remind everybody that you can get regular episodes of the Popcorn Diet delivered to you for free by hitting that subscribe button or following wherever you're listening from. So we really appreciate you just taking a second to give us a rating, give us a review, share the Popcorn Diet with any of your own good movie buddies. We also want to remind you to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the Popcorn Diet and consider becoming a patron of the podcast. If you throw us a dollar or two, not only is it going to help us improve the podcast, but... It's also going to give you access to some of our exclusive patron-only episodes like our franchise refills, like our perfect popcorn. And as we see more Oscar movies coming out this year, we're going to be doing our Oscar Primer episodes for patrons only. Not only that, but you get exclusive ad-free early access to every regular episode that we do just by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and becoming a patron. Of course... Even if you're not a patron, we don't want you to forget that you can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at The Popcorn Diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, all of our articles, our Oscar predictions, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But now we're getting into the rest of our nominations, David. And since I start, I ended the last one, I will start this one with Best Actress and with best actress, I feel like there are two major front runners right now, and then everyone else coming kind of in second place. For those who didn't make it, and this is another one I didn't like this, but uh, Cynthia Erivo, who was in uh, Bad Times at the El Royale, she was great in Bad Times at the El Royale. She has the Harriet Tubman movie out, and that is a movie that is just like again showed up, didn't really do much of anything, 
the, the, the talk around it is not very exciting, but she might have that lead performance strong enough to gain, gain that movie's only nomination. I also took out Lupita, Lupita Nyong'o for Us, although I think that that's one of the best performances of the year. And then Charlize Theron for Bombshell, which is the Fox News uh, sort of real life, you know, all of the harassment and stuff that happened with Fox News. Um, I don't really have a good beat on that movie. Mm -hmm. There's not really a lot of talk around it right now, but apparently it's Charlize Theron. You can't count her out. Sure. For the, for the list that I actually have... I actually put Aquafina in there for the farewell movie. Got again rave reviews. I have uh, Saoirse Ronan for Little Women. Saoirse Ronan's starting to feel like the new Amy Adams. When Amy Adams wins her Oscar, then it's going to be Saoirse Ronan, who's mm-hmm. going to go for the longest time without getting nom- a nom- or a win. Uh, but I feel like she'll probably pick one up for Little Women. Alfre Woodard is in this movie called Clemency, which was one of the most popular movies coming out of Sundance. Now again. So was Birth of a Nation a couple years ago, and that movie did nothing. Sundance is so early that it's it's so it's early. hard to keep any momentum, even if you get it. Exactly, at Sundance. exactly. It's very difficult. But again, I feel like Best Actress is a little bit thinner, and Alfre Woodard is Hollywood royalty. It's a good opportunity for her to get a nomination. And then the main two right now, I really think it's a two way race as we sit here right now. Between Renee Zellweger for Judy and Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story. We've talked about Marriage Story already and how that movie's powerhouse in terms of performances. But Zellweger's getting, again, great reviews for a mediocre movie, which sounds perfect for giving an actress an Oscar. That just seems like the 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 pattern is we're going to nominate this actress for this great performance in this movie that's going to get no other nominations. Uh, Glenn Close almost did it last year, but uh, but that's that's who I have. You I have this is this year's the wife. Honestly, I do, okay. I do, and I, I listen. I'm not going to apologize for it. it. I think it is. I think that that's what's going to happen here. Um, but anyway, that's my best. Well, it's actress. out in theaters, so you can go see it and tell me if it's. I guess I could if I really wanted to. All right, my list. I have Zellweger for Judy. Mm-hmm. I've got. Um, got ScarJo for Marriage Story. Probably save two bets there. I've got Ronan for Little Women, just like you. I feel like Ronan and Adam Driver are like this next generation of they're always nominated. Yep. Uh, I've got Aquafina as well. Okay. The only different one I have is instead of uh, Woodard for Clemency, I have Lupita for Us. I would be very happy with Lupita getting a nomination. Very rarely do you see love for horror movies in, in the Oscars, so... That would be great. And that movie's rad as hell, and she's amazing in it. That movie's twist. I loved everything about that movie and the way that she performs in that movie. It's really mm-hmm. layered and complex. Uh, all right, man. Best actor. Who you got? All right. So I'm going with Leo for Once Upon a Time. Yep. I'm going with Joaquin for Joker. Joker. Going for Driver for Marriage Story. Uh-huh. Uh, I am going with Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory. Antonio. We got the Banderas and... Uh, Cruise connection. Cruise connection yep. here coming back. And I'm going with a surprise. Okay, I'm excited. Fifth, I'm going Eddie Mercury or uh, Eddie Murphy for... Okay. For Dolomite is my name. Okay. I, again, some some amazing reviews for that one. I would love to see Eddie Murphy get another Oscar nomination. However... I think even if he does, unlike Dreamgirls, where I thought he actually had a shot, I don't think Eddie Murphy has a shot to win, even if he's No, nominated. I don't think he's got a shot to win. I'm um, going to shot to get a nomination. Right, exactly. So I'm very similar lists. Um, I have for my just – and this is another stacked category. So if, if somebody doesn't get nominated, it's not because they're not good. It's just because you could probably have a list of 10 actors nominated for Best Actor and every single one of them be legitimate – um, for Just Missed Out, I have Robert De Niro in The Irishman, Just Missing Out. I have Taron Egerton in Rocketman, Just Missing Out. I have Eddie Murphy, Just Missing Out for Dolomite Is My Name. And then Adam Sandler for Uncut Gems. I really want to see this movie. This movie looks absolutely insane. But apparently he is just fantastic in Uncut Gems. And as much as I beg on Adam Sandler, I love good, like serious actor Adam Sandler. So 
if he does get nominated, I'd, I'd love it. For who is actually on my list, I have Jonathan Price for The Two Popes. I have Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory. I actually have a feeling that he might be able to – he's the front runner right now. Again, you look at a seasoned actor who's beloved in the industry, who's doing this one great performance, and it just falls in line with the Academy like paying their due, even though he might not actually be the best performance this year. It just feels like that's what's going to happen. Um, I also have Joaquin Phoenix for Joker. I have Adam Driver for Marriage Story, and I have Leo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. For director, this one, and again, because we're in September, it's a little bit tougher. I have Greta Gerwig missing out for Little Women. I have Taika Waititi missing out for Jojo Rabbit. I have Noah Baumbach missing out for Marriage Story. And James Mangold missing out for Ford v. Ferrari. For my list, though, I do think it's a two-way race right now between Scorsese and Tarantino for The Irishman and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That just feels like... The Clash of the Titans, you know, that's as much as I hate it, that's the Lakers versus the Celtics, you know, that's that's your big, big, that's Yankees versus Dodgers, you know, those that's your big heavyweight matchup. Um, so I would love to see that matchup. I think those are the two who are locked in right now. I also have Bong Joon-ho for Parasite get nominated, although as much as I love Bong Joon-ho, and as much as the Academy is opening up more towards international film, mm -hmm. I still don't think they've really opened up to Asian cinema as much. We'll see. Who knows? My last two are Pedro Almodovar for Pain and Glory and because they love Pedro. Pedro's always getting a nomination, and I think the Academy does lean more towards European cinema and um, uh, Mexican cinema, Spanish. And then last but certainly not least, I got Sam Mendes for 1917. They just released a featurette about how they're making that movie where it's one the whole movie is one continuous shot in real time and I'm jacked for it dude I'm so excited to see what Mendez and Roger Deakins put together for 1917 their World War 1 movie mm -hmm. so I'm putting him on the list although he's the one on the shakiest ground there um, who do you have for best director I'm going Tarantino Scorsese I feel like those are the two easy ones yep. I'm going Gerwig Probably safe, you know. I, I think, you know, the names attached to it, I feel like it's going to get some love. Also, I think, you know, but never hurts to have some diversity there sure. in the nominations. Sure. Uh, I also had Mendez for 1917 just because I think when you get into, like, the actual direction of it, to pull off what they're doing with 1917 is takes a ton of direction. A ton. Like, like to manage to, those troops, to manage that literally. whole process, uh, to me is going to be quite an accomplishment. And so I think, while the average moviegoer may not walk away from 1917 thinking, who knows, they may not even walk away saying it was one of the better films of the sure. year. Like I think because it's the Academy and because the categories and the way they nominate. Our directors nominating directors. Yeah, I think there will be appreciation for the work and them understanding how difficult it is to do what he did in that. Kind of like uh, Linklater with. It's exactly what boyhood. I was thinking. I think Boyhood. As much as I didn't like Boyhood, I really didn't like Boyhood. Yeah, I do think Linklater deserved a director nomination because directing a film over twelve years is incredible. Yeah, it's an accomplishment. And then I have actually YTT for uh jojo rabbit Taika. that'd be so cool dude i would love that just because i want that so there you go those are mine I love and it. i and i do think there it's not out of the question as we talked about like movies hurting movies the previous year hurting the chances of movies the following year sure. and i know they're not the same movie in any way um but there could be some callbacks to it because of uh, where it comes from okay. and who it represents. But I think Pain and Glory could be hurt a little bit by Roma from last year. Huh. Again, completely different types of movies, but it just feels like, again, those when something reminds you or echoes back or comes from even the same you know nationality or that kind of stuff, sure. there's the opportunity for it to get hurt just the way that Oscars work, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it's different. You know, this... And, and with... with Almodovar, you're talking Spain, and with Roma, you're talking Mexico. I don't know that the Academy voters are that. <laughs> I, 
I don't know that all of the Academy of Voters are that understanding of the geographical differences, but Almodovar, um, uh, Del Toro, uh, all those guys, they're all kind of lumped in as sort of the Spanish slash, you know, Mexican filmmakers. And there's a very deep connection between Spain and, and Mexico. But I think you might be right. I think you might you might see a little bit of carryover there in terms of, oh, we just did this last year. We're going to do it again this year. Who knows? Um, all right, David. Since you wrapped that one up, you get to be the first to give us your best picture predictions. And remember, boys and girls, for best picture, it's always a little bit different. The, the Academy can nominate anywhere between five and ten nominees for best picture. It is all based on percentage of votes. It's really wacky. We describe it every year. But basically, in order for a film to get nominated, it has to receive a certain percentage of number one votes. And in order to win, it's about a certain percentage of number one votes versus number two votes, number three votes, so on and so forth. I have a big issue with it, but anyway, regardless. So when we do our predictions, we always have the freedom to nominate anywhere between five and 10 Oscar, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Best Picture nominees. I almost never nominate 10 because the Academy almost never nominates 10, but I have 10 this year. What about you, David? I have 10 as well. So my nominations, The Irishman, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Marriage Story, for Ferrari, 1917, Little Women, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Parasite. And I, you know me, whenever we do this, especially early on, I got to pick one for myself. Yes. Going Toy Story 4. You know, man, I wish we lived in a world where the actual best, you know, animated film was one sure you know? like I, I do i really really wish that we got animated films nominated for best picture nowadays but we don't um i have a lot on my list here i have a lot who just missed out and a lot of them are movies that i think should get nominated but probably won't uh joker i have just missing out i have an avengers endgame ad astra toy story 4 but then also a few that could probably sneak in like parasite the two popes and the report. For me, my best picture nominees are very, very close to yours. I think we only have three different ones. But for me, my my the ones that I have are The Irishman, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Marriage Story, Ford v. Ferrari, 1917, Little Women, Jojo Rabbit. And then the ones that are different from you are A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, The Farewell. And then my personal one is Knives Out. And I know we haven't talked anything about Knives Out until now, but Knives Out is Ryan Johnson's new sort of murder mystery. It's like Clue by way of, gosh, I don't even know. It's like Clue. Basically. I would love it. I'd be here for that. And it's got a crazy cast and it's got incredible reviews. And apparently it's it's just one of the most fun blasts of a movie. And I really hope that that type of thing gets academy recognition so i'm throwing knives out in here we're gonna see more as it releases we're gonna see if the studio wants to throw you know that type of politicking power behind it or not but knives out is knives it's, i got so many most anticipated movies david but knives out in 1917 are up there with the irishman with ford v ferrari and then of course you got your star wars obviously i'm pumped for star wars as well but but yeah, man, how do you feel about Oscar season? How do you feel about are you are you ready to uh are you ready to do this again? Oh, you know what? <laughs> I don't feel like there's as many movies that are in Irish or that are in Oscar consideration that I'm is excited to see this year. Um that being said, there are quite a few movies still left to come out this year that I am really excited to see, and I'm excited that some of them are starting to get a little bit of Oscar top for sure. Um, obviously we did our podcast on Ad Astra last week Yep, and really enjoyed that movie. Loved it. And go see Ad Astra. I'm pumped for Joker this week. <sighs> that's coming out. And Ooh, then lots to talk about. There. We've been excited about the Irishman all along. Ford V Ferrari looks fantastic. Love what Sam Mendes is doing with 1917 knives yeah. out. Um, all of those look really exciting. I love Taika, so I'm excited for Jojo Rabbit, even if it looks bonkers. <laughs> Especially because it looks Especially because it looks bonkers. So I do think there's enough movies here that are going to get representation that I'm excited about. Am I pumped to go watch 
some of these other movies that I know are going to do really well? Probably I'm not, not. I'm not excited to see Marriage Story. I'm maybe, just not excited to watch a movie about divorce and how, how it... Maybe it's the summer heat. Maybe I, I need it to get colder and I'll enjoy uh, going and watching some of these movies. We didn't even talk. We didn't even bring up the fact that Clint Eastwood has a movie coming out this year called Richard Jewell about. <laughs> That's because you hate Clint. It's I, I'm, I, you specifically how, left him off these lists. How dare you? No, Clint makes these movies in like two months. This movie's got Sam Rockwell, Kathy Bates, Olivia Wilde, John Hamm in it. It's got I don't even know who Paul Walter Hauser is. But, but it's got a minute. It chronicles the events of Richard Jewell's life after he discovered the plot that resulted in the Centennial Olympic Park bombing. Despite helping to evacuate civilians, Jewell was considered a suspect. Now, I don't know if many people remember that story, but it's where basically, I mean, it says everything that you need to know right here. For the longest time, Richard Jewell's life was basically destroyed because a lot of people were like, oh, this guy definitely did it. He's definitely a part of it. When in reality, he was... Kind of a hero about it. So produced by DiCaprio, man, man, I mean, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it becomes something. Maybe it doesn't. We don't know. The mule wound up not wound up being good, but not really becoming anything. Yeah. So we'll see. He's not acting in this movie. However, we're going to find out. But that is going to do it for our first Oscar predictions episode. Before we wrap it up again, don't forget that you can get free regular episodes of this podcast just by hitting subscribe or following wherever you're listening from. Take a second, hit subscribe, write a review, share us with your friends, and we really appreciate it. Also, don't forget to check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash the popcorn diet. Consider throwing a couple of bucks in the direction of the podcast so that not only can you help us, but you can get exclusive patron-only access to early episodes and some of our additional episodes as well. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. And of course, last but not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, all of our articles, Oscar predictions, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But for the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson. And we'll see you next time for our 100th official episode talking about Joker. Cannot wait on the popcorn diet. Adios.